Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe Podcast Network SoCal Sweat. My name is Ann McDaniels, a former NFL cheerleader and product manager turned actress and model who dreams of being a UFC fighter. Meow. Learning strategies to help motivate others leads me to bring you interviews each week from a range of athletes, experts in fitness and nutrition, and so much more. Thanks for listening to Believe, the number one podcast for working professionals, and let's push our endorphins to higher performance through SoCal Sweat. This is your host, Ann McDaniels, and welcome to another episode of Believe SoCal Sweat. Today, we are going to be talking about the narcissistic personality, narcissism. In the wake of the Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie case, there is so much coverage of narcissism. What is a narcissist? How do you know how to spot one? What are the types? Maybe you're in a relationship with one, whether it be romantic, someone in the family, your boss. This episode will break down the different types of narcissists, their traits, how to deal with someone who is a narcissist, how to manage, and how to get out if you're in any type of a danger zone. Now, on a different note, I live in Los Angeles, and this is an extreme city of narcissists. It just goes to show the entertainment business, elevated you know, delusions of grandeur, a lot of talent, people thinking that they can do anything, and that's great, but that really has made me learn to deal and manage with a lot of narcissistic personalities. Many people that I've worked for, worked with, acted with, modeled with, modeled for. It's a learned skill, and I'm still trying to sharpen it every single day. But let's dive right in. According to WebMD, narcissism is extreme self-involvement to the degree that it makes a person ignore the needs of those around them. You know, and everyone can show occasional narcissistic behavior, but true narcissists frequently disregard others or their feelings. They also do not understand the effect that their behavior has on people. It's really important to note that narcissism is a trait, but it can also be part of a large personality disorder. Not every narcissist has narcissistic personality disorder or NPD, as narcissism is a spectrum. People who are at the highest end of the spectrum are those that are classified as NPD, but others still with narcissistic traits may fall on the lower end of being narcissistic. I was actually surprised to read that only 6% of the population has narcissistic personality disorder. However, I do live in Los Angeles, so I think that my idea and vision of this is skewed. And research over the years has shown that it is also more prevalent in men than in women. Whereas in men, it would be 7.7%, and women, it would be 4.8%. However, women are going to um, crash through the glass ceiling due to the fact that we are very strong, and there are more female CEOs and business owners. I myself am very much of an alpha and goal-oriented, but I would never consider myself a narcissist because I always put other people's needs before my own and I always take full accountability of my actions. Because when I was reading some of the signs, traits, I was worried. Do I have that? No, I do not. So then how do you know how to spot a narcissist? Or perhaps you could be one yourself. Now, to define our narcissist, they actually have to have five of the following nine traits. The first one is grandiosity. 
and that would be an exaggerated sense of self-importance. They feel superior to others and that they deserve special treatment. And feelings are often accompanied by fantasies of unlimited success, brilliance, power, beauty, or love. They're very pompous. The second one is excessive need for admiration. They must be the center of attention. They often monopolize conversations and they feel slighted, mistreated, depleted, and enraged when they're ignored. Like, remember in uh, the movie Fatal Attraction? Don't ignore me, Dan. I will not be ignored. The next trait is that they have superficial and exploitative relationships. The relationships are based on surface attributes and not the unique qualities of others. They're more concerned about how they look with that person versus how that person makes them feel. They could care less. They have to look good. And people are only valued to the extent that they are viewed as beneficial. The fourth is lack of empathy. They're severely limited or totally lacking ability to care about the emotional needs or experiences of others, even loved ones. In extreme cases, they may care about their mother or their father, but usually not. The fifth is identity disturbance. The sense of self is highly superficial, extremely rigid, and often fragile. Self-stability depends on maintaining the view that one is exceptional. Grandiose sense of self is easily threatened. They are jealous and they are threatened by others very easily. They retreat from, they retreat from or deny realities that challenge grandiosity. Number six, they have difficulty with attachment and dependency. They rely on feedback from the environment. Their relationships only exist to shore up positive self-image. Interactions are superficial. Intimacy is avoided. Number seven, they have chronic feelings of emptiness and boredom. When attention and praise are not available to them, they feel empty, bored, depressed, or restless. They can't really be by themselves in their own thoughts. Number eight, vulnerability to life transitions. They have difficulty maintaining reality-based personal and professional goals over time. They can feel very compromised by the expectations of school, jobs, or relationships. And young adults may have a failure to launch. And finally, number nine, narcissistic personality disorder is also a significant risk factor for suicide and suicidal attempts. I will highlight those nine traits one more time. And if you have any of the five or someone you know has any of the five, this could be considered narcissism. A grandiose sense of self-acceptance, preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love, belief that they're special and unique and can only be understood by or should associate with other high special or high status people or institutions. They require excessive admiration. They have a sense of entitlement, is interpersonally exploitative, they take advantage of others. They lack empathy, they envy others or believe that others are envious of him or her. And they show arrogance, haughty behaviors and attitudes. So if there's five of the nine traits, you could be a narcissist. Or you could be in some type of relationship with one. With so many social media influencers and stars, people trying so hard to make it, it's often hard to spot who are narcissists and who are not because these days it seems like everybody is one, but you have to be officially diagnosed, even though it seems like people need a lot of attention. And I think we all know one or two of those people, or even a hundred, or you live in Los Angeles. <laughs> Next, I want to quickly highlight the seven different types of narcissism. The first one is the overt type. This is one we see so obviously. 
This is known as grandiose narcissism. This is what we typically think of when we talk about a narcissist. These people are usually extroverted, grandiose, aggressive, and attention-seeking. They can be very charming, beautiful, and typically expect special treatment. They can be predatory in their ability to see vulnerability in others and use it against them. They are highly competitive and are willing to humiliate others in order to gain a perceived win. The second one is the covert type. This is one that you don't see may sneak up on you. It's sometimes referred to as narcissistic vulnerability. And this type of person tends to be passive aggressive and they can come across as very helpless. They tend to present themselves as victims and are quick to cry or stage a crisis to gain attention. They also tend to struggle with anxiety or depression. Have you ever noticed when you've run a race in school or like in track or something like that and the person's losing and all of a sudden, oh, they're on the ground, like they hurt their ankle. Or I see a lot of this in Los Angeles where if someone doesn't get the role, if I don't get a role, absolutely, I'm so happy for that person. Well, yes, of course I get jealous sometimes, but I'm happy for that person. And I don't sit there and say, oh, Hollywood just doesn't know my talents. They're just intimidated. But the covert type does this. Oh gosh, they don't understand my thinking. I'm just so more intelligent. You know, all of a sudden it's just like, Hollywood only settles for bubblegum crap and my stuff is is meat and it's it's you know it's a raw it's wagyu beef and they don't understand that that would be the covert type like poor me I'm passive aggressive and there are a lot of those people as well besides the hyper um, the overt type now the third one is called the hyper vigilant type these types of narcissists tend to be highly sensitive to the body language facial reactions tone and reactions of others they tend to take things very personally and be hypersensitive to criticism. They often feel shame and humiliation, and they're likely to direct action towards others and prefer not to be the center of attention. That is the hypervigilant type. Moving on to the fourth type of narcissism. This is the oblivious type. While most narcissists are unaware of the feelings of others, this type is known for being completely lacking in awareness and sensitivity towards others. They are missing that sensitivity chip. They are self-absorbed, arrogant, aggressive, and need to be the center of attention. That is the oblivious type. Like they don't care, I'm oblivious. Number five is the exhibitionist type. The need for constant attention is like a bottomless pit for these people. They think they are better than others physically, intellectually. They look down on others, even their friends and family. They are all about status and perception. Very status conscious and materialistic. They think they are very special and have an enormous need to be admired all the time. The sixth one is the sexual type. The sexual narcissist feels entitled to have their sexual needs met. They have a self-centered view of sex and tend to not be skilled at emotional intimacy and don't really care and therefore are not interested in their partner's needs whatsoever. They frequently overestimate their skills in the bedroom, brag, 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 because they are not very tuned into their partners. Yet they need and expect a lot of praise for their performance in bed. They react poorly to sexual rejection. They blame the other person. Oh, they can't, they can't keep up or there's something wrong with them. They expect sex in return for gifts or nice gestures and will pressure, trick, or manipulate you into having sex with them. They feel entitled to get sex elsewhere if you do not meet their sexual requirements, regardless of your agreement about monogamy. They just don't care. It's all about them. Now, the final one, number seven, is the one that we in society right now are finding the most interesting, and that is called the malignant type. And arguably, Brian Laundrie of the Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie case, well, 
a lot of psychotherapists have labeled Brian Laundrie as the malignant type. And this is number seven. This very dangerous type of personality disorder is really a cross between narcissistic personality disorder and what psychotherapists call antisocial personality disorder. This means that they have no ability to feel empathy. They are what pop psychology calls a psychopath or a sociopath. These aggressive, hostile, paranoid people are sadistic and dehumanizing to those around them. They just don't care. They have no feelings for anybody else. They don't put themselves in the minds of anybody else. Many experts believe that Adolf Hitler was a malignant narcissist. This is the most dangerous type of narcissist and if you think you might be dating one, run for the hills. This type of person will hurt you physically, emotionally, financially, sexually, and not even bat an eye or have any remorse for anything you feel or anything about you. It's all about them. Narcissists will do anything to get their way. And I wanna break down the ways that they can control you. And I myself have been in a relationship with a narcissist and it is very, very difficult. And I pretty much put up with all of these traits and it's very difficult to manage and it was very, very difficult to get out. But let's just talk about how they target and how they control people in their relationships. The first one is they target their codependents. They often find success in controlling others because they target codependents. Narcissists generally seek those with codependency characteristics. I was not codependent, but it was something different. The narcissist enforces the codependent's shortcomings where they are manipulated to believe anything and everything is their fault or that they are responsible to fix any discomforts in the relationship. The partner becomes so afraid of the narcissist to the point that they lose their sense of self by believing all the narcissist distortions. I think about women in battered relationships. The person, the perpetrator, the narcissist makes them feel small, makes them feel like they can't live their lives without them, that they'll be poor, that no one's going to want them. This happens with a lot of people, especially with people that are very vulnerable and need somebody. Well, these narcissists take control and they, it's easy for them. It's blood in the water. The second one is they make you feel very special. These self-centered narcissists also go to their way to make others feel special, not because they genuinely value something about the individual, but it's a way to manipulate them. In their personal relationships, narcissists most often gain control over others by playing to a person's very understandable desire to feel special and highly valued. Who doesn't want to feel that way? However, that narcissist will latch on, overly complimentary acting like you're the most beautiful girl he's ever met. Oh, I just met you last night, but you are so the one and they move quickly. And for those that are vulnerable, they will get into these relationships and cannot get out. They have a way of getting your phone number without you even realizing it and they just take over. They just make you feel special and the most beautiful or wonderful person on the face of the earth. It just is not realistic, but that's how they, that's the tactic that they use. The third is they use shock, awe and guilt they gain control of people in their lives by eliciting difficult emotions. After going through a period of grooming someone for a close relationship, like the, you know, the honeymoon stages, the narcissist moves on to shock, awe, and guilt to fully maintain control. The shock and awe come from over-the-top, emotionally charged tantrums that erupt when a friend, a spouse, a lover, a coworker, maybe it's a cousin, an ex-boyfriend, God forbid, has done something that disappointed the narcissist. Most normal people find such dramatic reactions exhausting and strange. Therefore, they begin to work hard to avoid a repeat performance. When I had dated somebody, I was taken away from my friends, my family, although I knew I was aware of it. I was just trying to figure out 
how to maintain sanity while getting out. And they used everything, like, oh, that person's bad influence. I'm so afraid that that person's, oh, that person wants you. According to this person that I dated, everybody wanted to sleep with me. Everybody wanted to sleep with me. I'm like, no, they don't. No, they don't. It's just it was like everybody, he was so, so insecure with everything that, that I was doing. And I have a lot of friends, a lot of coworkers. I have different jobs every day. So there was always this guilt factor like, oh, I can't believe you spent more time with that person. Oh, that person wants you. Again, I work in film and television. I'm a model. I'm always working with good looking guys. I'm not attracted to these guys. If I'm with a person in my relationship, I'm with that person. I'm not a cheater. But this person could not handle any of that. And they use shock, awe, and guilt. And I would do everything in my power to not repeat any of those if I was hanging out with a person, I could never hang out with him again or it'd have to be secretive. And that was horrible because I wasn't doing anything wrong. And it was constant checking up on the phone. Where are you? Where are you? You've been texting me back. And it's like, what if I'm on set? I have my phone off. Sometimes they take our phones and put them in magnetic bags so that we don't take any screenshots till we get on social media. I don't have my phone legitimately. And if I didn't get back to you, I do not want to feel guilty about it. So again, shock, awe, and guilt. That was one of the worst parts for me. Number four, the gaslight. Oh, this is crazy. It's so hard. It's so hard. And a lot of people have used their phones to record some of the conversations. I myself have as well. Narcissists are brilliant at gaslighting. They do that to manipulate. They are master manipulators. And gaslighting is a tactic of narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths. It is manipulative behavior designed for self-gain and even for sport. It's fun for them. It is designed to weaken, trick, and destabilize the victim. Gaslighters will deny that they said something or did something that you know they did not say or they did say. They move through the world dishonestly. For example, I have worked for a narcissist and we decided to get together at 10 a.m. for a meeting. And it was all and everything it was in the text, the email, and I get there at 9.45. And he's like, where in the hell were you? I said, oh, um, well, I, I thought we said 10 o'clock. No, we said nine o'clock. And I see it in my text message and on my phone and it's in a voicemail. But you cannot deal with these people. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry that you've been waiting so long. You almost have to go against it and almost apologize, which is just ridiculous. But that's why it's, we'll talk about the way to manage these people as far as the gaslighting goes. I have people even in my upbringing that I still deal with today that they are always gaslighting. And they say that it's like, oh my God, you did not say that. Or you did say that. And it's like, I wish I had recorded the conversation. And from now on, I have learned in dealing with them ahead of time that I do record conversations because although God forbid you play it back to them because they're never at fault, it's very, very frustrating and we'll go over how to manage this. But the gaslighting is just, it makes me crazy. And again, it is a tactic used by narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths. It is fun for them. It is blood in the water so that their victim basically is becomes weak and then they have full control. They are hunters. Number five, they play hot and cold games. Oh, I hate games. They use this to control you by manipulating, you know, you to think that they'll flatter you and they'll get what you want. And the next week they'll use aggression. Flowers one day and then they yell at you or you may be hit, God forbid. And then you're getting flowers or a diamond ring or a trip or a car, but then they come back again. And I just heard the quote recently 
an apology is nothing without explanation of the apology and actions and demeanors to change that apology. Like, if someone cheats on someone, they can't just say, like, South Park, sorry, sorry. Okay, what are you sorry for? I'm sorry for cheating on you. I'm sorry for hurting you. I'm sorry for such and such and such. And in turn, I will never repeat that behavior again because I know how it made you feel. But it's a game. They will not, you know, it, it's, it's a constant trickery with gifts. And I myself have, I, I'm not a gift person. I love giving gifts. I don't love receiving gifts. I'm not a materialistic person at all. And when I was in a relationship with said person, they never did anything to totally hurt me like that, but there was always gifts, lots and lots of gifts, like grandiose gifts, and it was really not comfortable. Um, I was in this relationship with this person for about three years. I loved him very, very much. It was just a little too, little too manipulative. I learned a lot, and uh, I would go back and do it again for sure because I have such an empathy for people in these relationships because I'm very strong. And if it was difficult for me to, to deal with and get out, I don't know how people do it that are not as, as strong, you know, and self-aware. So, yeah, it's they play games, and you have to be aware of the games that they are playing. Just because they bring you flowers or give you a gift or, you know, are nice the next night doesn't mean they're going to change because usually they don't. Take every action with a grain of salt and don't let the love bombing, as we call it, be a form of bribery towards you. Niceties shouldn't be conditional. You shouldn't get flowers because the person hits you or they didn't follow up on what they said. Uh, it's, it's called love bombing, and be aware. Make yourself aware of these five common tactics of narcissists. If you think you've fallen victim or are being targeted by these manipulators, do what you can to get out of their grasp. It may involve cutting ties with friends or family members, but that's okay because your mental health and well-being is on the line, and that always takes priority. Now, maybe you're completely in love, and you feel great when you're with this person because it's seductive. The sex is great. They make you feel wonderful, but then they bring you down. Maybe you're caught up in that yin and yang. Maybe you love that kind of like almost BDSM type of relationship. It's, it's hard. It's, it's easy to get caught up in their web because they're very, they've got high self-esteem. They lie. They bring you into this fantasy. But thinking that they will fulfill your longing to feel more important and more alive, it's just a fantasy and it can cost you. Remember that your needs will not be fulfilled or even recognized. It's important to remember that narcissists aren't looking for partners. They're looking for obedient admirers. You are no different than anyone else. Maybe you're the most beautiful woman in their eyes, but you are no different than any the, next, the woman next door. They are looking for obedient admirers. They love the attention. Your sole value to a narcissist is as someone who can tell them how great they are and prop them up with their insatiable ego. Your desires, your feelings, your goals don't count. Now look at the way the narcissist treats others. If they lie, manipulate, hurt, and disrespect others, they will eventually treat you the same way. And don't fall for that fantasy that you're different and will be spared because you won't. And take off those rose-colored glasses that everything's perfect because they, it is just not. It's important to see the narcissist in your life for who they really are, not who you want them to be. Know that you will always be hurt or disappointed. There's someone in my life that I talk to all the time and I always feel like, oh, if this conversation could be different and I'm always disappointed at the end of the conversation, like, why did I even pick up the phone? It never changes and it's my fault because again, I am looking at as 
through rose-colored glasses thinking it's gonna be different and I end up hurt and it's like a definition of insanity and I'm mad at myself and I need, I need to work on these tactics and it's somebody that I love very much. But at the end of the day, the leopard does not change its spots no matter how much we try. Next, you need to focus on your own dreams. Not all about them, not all about theirs. Instead of losing yourself to this narcissist delusions, focus on the things that you want for yourself. What do you want to change in your life? What gifts would you like to develop? Maybe you want to take a class, learn coding. Maybe you want to get on that weight loss plan, a great fitness plan. That will certainly make you feel better. And I do know that a lot of these narcissists, if they are not with a perfect person, they will rip them to shreds. I do know a, a married couple and the guy is a narcissist and the woman gained weight because she was so stressed out, like so stressed out. And a lot of these people that are in these relationships have mental health problems trying to figure out how to deal with this person because it's impossible. You cannot change them. And instead of coping with it, with psychology, because a lot of people will not go to counseling, especially narcissists, because they don't admit that they're wrong, that she had gained a lot of weight. She had turned to food. And then in turn, the guy treated her like complete crap. So then it's just a whole nother issue. So maybe this person could work on their own health goals and feel better about themselves. Again, focus on your own goals and get off of theirs. Treat yourself with respect and love because you deserve it. When learning how to manage a narcissist, you have to have ruthless expectations. You cannot expect to change the person. If you go into it like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that again. Really? Of course you can believe that they did that again. That would be the definition of insanity. If you go into it thinking like, oh, it's gonna be different this time. No, it's not. Realize your expectations. Realize that you are, are going to be, and you are going to end up being hurt, manipulated, or angry, and completely let down. So don't expect anything different. Otherwise, you'll go insane, trying to be perfect, trying to please this person, and no matter what you do, it's never gonna be good enough. They're never gonna take blame for themselves. They're never gonna admit wrong. Everything that you do is not up to their expectations, or they'll treat you and love bomb you, and then the next day they'll treat you like crap. So just really try to manage those expectations and don't expect anything different because it's just not gonna change. If you continue to stay in a relationship with a narcissist, you have to set healthy boundaries. Healthy relationships are based on mutual respect and caring, but narcissists aren't capable of true reciprocity in their relationships. It's not about you, it's about them. It isn't just that they're not willing, they truly actually are not able to do so. They don't see you. They don't hear you. They don't care. They don't recognize you as someone who exists outside of their own needs. Because of this, narcissists regularly violate the boundaries of others. What's more, they do so with an absolute sense of entitlement. They don't care. They don't want to say that they're wrong. Oh, I'm, I'm supposed to. That's why they're so closely related to the sociopath. They can do anything and completely justify it. Like Brian Laundrie, for example, I'm sure he can justify anything that he did. And even Doug the, Bounty, the, Doug the Bounty Hunter said, oh, there's no way that Brian Laundrie killed himself because that would admit that he did something wrong and he's too much of a narcissist. Oh, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm just probably escaping the drama. And that's what Doug the Bounty Hunter said. And I thought he did a really good job when he uh, knocked on the door of the laundry house. And yeah, it was very interesting. But narcissists think nothing of going through or borrowing your possessions without asking. For example, Brian Laundrie taking Gabby Petito's white truck all the way across the country back to 
Long Island and back to Florida. Like, he think he thought nothing of grabbing it, stealing it. And when he got back, what did he tell his parents? Like, oh, Gabby got lost? Like, what was the explanation there? But that's her car. Her car. And also probably her, her uh, credit card that he used as far as the credit card fraud go, went as well. But they think nothing of going through your possessions or borrowing anything without asking, snooping through your mail, your phone, your personal correspondences, eavesdropping on conversations, accusing you of something, cheating, whatever, barging in without an invitation, stealing your ideas, and giving you unwanted opinions and advice. They may even tell you what to think and feel. It's important to recognize these violations for what they are so you can begin to create healthier boundaries where your needs are respected. It's hard to do, but make a plan. If you have a long-standing pattern of letting others violate your boundaries, it's not easy to take back, in, back control, but you have to have a backbone. Set yourself up for success by carefully considering your goals and the potential obstacles. What's going to get in your way? How can you break those obstacles down? What are the most important changes you hope to achieve? Is there anything you've tried in the past with the narcissist that actually did work? Anything that hasn't? What is the balance of power between you and how that will impact your plan? How will you enforce your new boundaries? And answering these questions for yourself will help you evaluate your options and develop a realistic plan. Consider a gentle approach. If preserving a relationship with a narcissist is important to you, you will have to tread softly. By pointing out their hurtful or dysfunctional hate behavior, you are damaging their self-image of perfection. Beware. Try to deliver your message calmly, respectfully, and as gently as possible. Focus on how their behavior makes you feel rather than on their motivations and intentions. If they respond with anger and defensiveness, which is typical, try to remain calm as hard as it is. Walk away if need be and revisit the conversation later. Just outsmart them if you can, but that's very difficult. Don't set a boundary unless you intend to keep it. You can count on that narcissist to rebel against new boundaries and test your limits and be prepared. Follow up with any consequences specified. If you back down, you're sending the message that you don't really need to be taken seriously. Oh, never mind. Oh, that was just, you know, oh, you're right, you're right. No, set the boundary and keep it. Have that backbone. Be prepared for other changes in the relationship. If the narcissist feels threatened and upset by your attempts to control your own life, they are used to calling the shots and they do not like to lose. They don't lose. To compensate, they may step up their demands and other aspects of the relationship distance themselves to punish you or attempt to manipulate or charm you into giving up the new boundaries. It's up to you to stand up, stand firm. Maybe you have a credit card that they give you. Well, maybe they'll take away their credit card. Maybe they won't make love to you in the way that you want to. Maybe they'll hold your kids against you. Just be prepared. If you stand up for yourself, there will be consequences. But again, have a backbone. Don't take things personally. Don't buy into the narcissist's version of who you are. Again, so many of them say, oh, you'd be nothing without me. You're lucky to have me. You're never going to get anybody else. You're never going to make money without me. Even Lady Gaga said that her, half of her success is a, an ex-boyfriend that broke up with her and said, you'll be nothing without me. Oh, watch me. And look at Lady Gaga now. I love that. Don't buy into that narcissist version of who you are. And that even happened to Barbara Corcoran. Uh, an an ex-boss and lover told her that she wouldn't go anywhere. And look at Barbara Corcoran now. I absolutely love her. Narcissists don't live in reality, and that includes their views to other people. Don't let their shame and blame game undermine your self-esteem. Refuse to accept undeserved responsibility, blame, or criticism. That negativity is a narcissist to keep. Have self-esteem. Again, 
focus on your own goals, your own things that you want to do. What brings you joy? What brings you self-love? Do those things and don't believe their version of who you are because they will manipulate you to think that you are nothing. And that is so not true. Don't argue with a narcissist. You will not win. When attacked, the natural instinct is to, to defend yourself, which is obvious, and prove the narcissist wrong. Yes, we're sane people. But no matter how rational you are or how sound your argument, they are unlikely to hear you. They just, it glosses right over them. They don't care. It's all about them. And arguing the point may escalate the situation in a very unpleasant way and can be even dangerous. Well, hence the Gabby Petito case. Again, we don't know, we don't know what really happened, but I mean, it's, I think it's pretty obvious to most people. Don't waste your breath. Simply tell that narcissist you disagree with their assessment and then move on. Don't engage and don't argue and know yourself. The best defense against the insults and projections of the narcissist is a strong sense of self. When you know your own strengths and weaknesses, it's easier to reject any unfair criticisms leveled against you because they will prey on any type of vulnerability. And when you're arguing with them, don't, and don't even tell them things that make you vulnerable. Um, I know that there's one person in my life, if I show any type of emotion of maybe low self-esteem or, or, or I'm not feeling good about myself or I feel bad about something, they will take that and they will use it against me. And again, I'm still learning how to figure this out. It's taking me forever to realize how to manage this. And in doing this research for this podcast, it's really helped me personally. So I, uh, I'm very grateful for the research that I did for this episode, including my own issues with said person. And let go of the need for approval. And this is where I come in with this person as well. It's important to detach yourself from that narcissist's opinion and desire to please or appease them at the expense of yourself. You need to be okay with knowing the truth about yourself. And even if the narcissist sees the situation differently, this person had told me that they're very disappointed in things that I've done in my life. And I'm like, what did I do in my life that you're disappointed with? I, everything that I've done in my life, I would do over again because it makes me the person I am today. And they took that and ran with it. And I just kind of thought, oh, don't let it bother you. Don't let it bother you. And that's my, that's my fault for letting it bother me. So again, I've got to let go of that need for approval because this person's approval is very important to me, but it makes me crazy. And look for support and purpose elsewhere. Learn what healthy relationships look and feel like because a lot of times this narcissist will take you away from your family and friends. Again, just like I said in the beginning of the podcast, if you come from a narcissistic family, uh, <laughs> you may not have a very good sense of what a healthy give and take relationship is. And I can kind of attest to this in my own, in my own life. The narcissistic pattern of dysfunction may feel uncomfortable to you. Just remind yourself that as familiar as it feels, it also makes you feel bad. And in a reciprocal relationship, you will feel respect, listened to, and free to be yourself. Spend time with people who give you an honest reflection of who you are, people that care about you, admire you, support you, and validate your own thoughts and feelings and make new friendships if necessary outside the narcissist's orbit. Some isolate the people in their lives in order to better control them. Think about that movie Sipping with the Enemy um, from the 90s with Julia Roberts. Remember how she had to completely make herself into a different person. She had to fake her own drowning to get away from, the, from her husband and he was so dangerous. And look for meaning and purpose in work, volunteering and hobbies, your own goals. Instead of looking to the narcissist to make you feel good about yourself, pursue meaningful activities that make you that showcase your own talents and allow you to contribute. But the ending of abusive relationship is never easy. This is the hardest thing and I had to get out of one. It was a very tactical, very dangerous situation. The way I got out oh, was so, it was long-term planning. I had to go very 
carefully and very slowly. And then I had to really protect myself down to security beyond belief. Um, in ending that abusive relationship, it's, again, very, very dangerous, just like the Gabby Petito case. If you feel threatened to leave, just be very careful and be very calculated. It's easy to become disoriented by the narcissist manipulative behavior, caught up in the need to seek your approval, and even get gaslighted constantly and doubt your own judgment. If you're codependent, which I was not, but a lot of people are, your desire to be loyal may trump even your need to preserve your safety and sense of self. You would rather put yourself in danger than make this person angry. But there are ways to escape the narcissist and the guilt and self-blame and then begin the process of healing. Educate yourself about the disorder. The more you understand, the better you'll be able to recognize the techniques a narcissist can use to keep you in the relationship. When you threaten to leave, a narcissist will often resurrect the flattery and adoration, love bombing, gifts, more gifts, even better cars. Maybe they buy you a Tesla as opposed to a Porsche or whatever. I mean, they'll do anything to keep you. Anything. And they'll completely change your behaviors, but they're going to change them right back. It's only just for that night or that week. And they'll love bomb again to get you to fall in love with them in the first place, how they made you feel in the beginning. Or they'll make a grand promise about changing their behavior that they have absolutely no intention of keeping. Like I said before, an apology without a reason or a change of action, they're not gonna they're not gonna keep that. And that's not an apology. Write down the reasons why you're leaving. Keep a list in your phone or with yourself so you can always be clear and refer to that list. You need to be clear on why you need to end that relationship, especially if you're being love bombed left and right with the gifts, the compliments. Oh my god. You're the most beautiful woman on earth. Keep that list somewhere handy and private, such as on your phone. But although if they have got your phone password and everything like that, just, just be safe about it and keep it lock and key in your brain if, if, if at the very least. And seek support during your time together. The narcissist may have damaged your relationships <clears throat> on purpose with your friends and family or limited that social life because they're jealous. They don't want anybody to take you away from them because they may you may shower someone else with attention. Oh, how, how dare they? How dare you? It's all about them. But whatever your circumstances, you're not alone. Even if you can't reach out to old friends or friends in general, you can find any help from support groups or domestic violence helplines and shelters. I've done a lot of work for the House of Ruth, a lot of charity work for the House of Ruth and have done a lot of deliveries as well. But it's very, it's even when you do deliveries, you have to do it in a very special way. They will meet you somewhere and pick it up because they don't even want you to know where some of these shelters are. These women are so, women and men, and men are in such danger. Don't make empty threats unless you're gonna stick with them. It's a better tactic to accept the narcissist won't change. And when you're ready, just leave. Making threats or pronouncements will only forewarn the narcissist and enable them to make it even more difficult for you to get away. Blood in the water. But if you feel that you are being physically threatened or abused, please call 911 immediately because it is extremely dangerous. Now, let's just say, perfect example, after you've left, congratulations. Believe me, it is like the most, oh, it is the best feeling in the world to get that freedom back. It is, I lived in fear for a while, although I, like I said before, I would do it again because I, I have so much empathy and sympathy for others that are in these relationships. After you've left, this is very important, and this is what the psychologists say. But again, I congratulate you beyond belief. After you've left, cut off all contact. Cut every wire. Cut off the bloodlines. The more contact you have with them, the more hope you'll give them that they can reel you back in with their grandiose gestures and love bombing. It's safer to block their calls, 
texts and emails and disconnect from them on all social media. If you have children together, have others with you for any scheduled custody handovers. It can be very violent. Cut off the bloodlines, anything. You, you, you give an inch, they take a mile. Cut it off as hard as it is. Don't pay attention to everything that they're doing for manipulation because remember why you got out of it in the first place. Allow yourself to grieve. Breakups can be very painful, whatever the circumstances. Even ending a toxic relationship can leave you feeling sad, angry, confused, and grieving the loss of shared dreams and commitments. Even worse, if that person has made you feel like you can't get anyone else, you can't make any money on your own, you're a loser without him, that can be even more difficult. But remember, healing can take time, so go easy on yourself and turn to family and friends for support or 911 or any shelters that you know we mentioned in this episode. Again, 911, anything that they can do to help. And don't expect the narcissist to share your grief. They don't care. Once the message sinks in that you will no longer be feeding their ego and loving them, the narcissist will likely soon move on to exploit someone else. Again, you are no more beautiful or important than the next girl, and that, but they made you feel that way. They won't feel loss or guilt. Just that never-ending need for praise and admiration, they will take it from whoever gives it to them. Let's just say you are Miss America, the most beautiful woman on earth. They don't care. They will go to someone who's what society would be maybe pronounced as not attractive at all. But if they are getting attention from that person, they will move on to that person. Not to be past judgments or anything like that, but a lot of times people will say, oh my God, why would they cheat on you? You're beautiful or you're like perfect or you've got so much success and, and you're such a kind person. They don't care. It's the person that gives them the attention. And if you cut off all blood sources, again, congratulations, and you're allowing yourself to grieve, and you're focusing on your own goals and own self-love and everything else in your own life, they'll move on without any remorse or any tactics. So cut that off. This is no reflection on you, but rather an illustration of how very one-sided their relationship always was. It was all about them and not about you. To wrap up, when thinking about a narcissist and narcissistic traits, you're reminded of someone that goes on and on and on about themselves. And then maybe they say, oh, but enough about me. How do you feel about me? They don't even ask you about yourselves. They don't care. If your partner is all about themselves and always needing attention and affirmation, they're a narcissist. And if someone is easily slighted or overreacted to criticism, they're a narcissist. They are and they have the best of the best of the best. And we are all simply lucky and blessed to be in their presence. While doing the research for this podcast, I stumbled upon an amazing podcast and YouTube channel. And it is called Mental Healness. And this is a guy named Lee, and he is a self-aware narcissist. He's been in therapy for his personality disorder since 2017. He's married with a child, and it has definitely changed his life because without it, he said he would have lost everything. He has these amazing videos on YouTube, and the point of the videos is to help people bring awareness from the other side, from the narcissistic side, the abuse spectrum. All of his videos give perspective on why many narcissists do what they do and the possible different reasons behind them. The abuse victims can get validation, and the narcissists, those that are willing, get to see what they can be helped with and that they are not alone. I will share this in the podcast notes, but I think this guy is amazing. He's very self-aware. He admits to everything and he talks about, it's, it's almost like a criminal, um, breaking down how to rob a bank or 
how to how to detonate a bomb or put together a bomb. I mean, he goes through everything of what he feels on his side as a narcissist. And it's mental healiness on YouTube, and I think he's amazing. He breaks it down in a, he's young, it's hilarious. He gives great examples, and he's very protective of his wife and daughter, which is amazing. And he said, again, that he would have lost everything if he had not gotten into therapy for his personality disorder since 2017. So again, that's mental healiness on YouTube and also he has a podcast. I hope this episode helps you, especially if you are in a relationship with a narcissist, whether it be in a romantic relationship, a friendship, a family member, or even a boss, it's nearly impossible. You will kill yourself trying to figure out how to please them and how to be perfect, but you're not gonna win. But learning the ways to manage and possibly get out hopefully will help you, but always maintain your own self-esteem, your own self-love. You are extremely important, even if you feel beat down. Continue to focus on your own goals, your own dreams, and find a great group of friends or therapy groups if you need the support. And if you are in danger, please call 911 or go to any shelters like House of Ruth. There are so many across the country. It's just your mental health and your safety is the most important thing. Take it from me, I got out of a very dangerous relationship and it was difficult. But if I can do it, you can absolutely do it. Just believe in yourself, focus, and stay strong. Thank you guys so much for joining me on this podcast. It was very important that I just covered narcissism as much as I could, especially due to the Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry case because it's just... It really sheds a spotlight on dangerous relationships, and I really wanted to cover this as far as mental health went for this podcast. So thanks again so much for joining me, and I wish you all a wonderful week. We appreciate you for listening, and please rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can also listen on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Luminary Tuned In, or at Believe.com. You can always reach out to me for any questions or topics you'd like covered on the show at Ann McDaniels or at Ann McDaniels Actress. And I will see you next time on so cal sweat thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.